listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. I appreciate it. Um, while you're still standing, uh, Shane's going to bring a special gift basket. We want to be able to honor the Waterhouse family, and I know that um, Jamie wasn't able to be here today, but Mom, we're going to have you come up, and you might need some help to... To, to receive this gift, or you can bring a whole clan with you if you want to. I know there's, I think that they had said that they had 19 children flow through their home over the years. And we have this special gift for you. And church, as a family, thank you for being, come on up and go ahead and grab this. Um, this is for you and your family to enjoy the times that you guys spend together. We love you guys. And I just wanted to say something to you about as, as a church family, your generosity. Uh, you guys are all going to come up. You're like, no, I saw what was in that bag. I want some of that. Come over here. Get, come get some of this. I made a few phone calls before this offering. And so I've been able to already know how much some of the money that's come in. And prior to this offering, almost $27,000 came in for this family. Now, some of you would be like, oh my gosh, that's an insane amount of money. Not when you have this many kids. Be gone like that. So let's just pray a quick prayer of them. Father, I thank you for this entire family, God. I thank you for uh, uh, natural born children, belly babies and heart babies. I thank you for the lives though that are served, the changes that are made because of people willing to sacrifice for the betterment of someone else. Lord, that's, that's the character of a disciple. That's what discipleship is, giving our lives for others. And in turn, they receive, but then they give their lives for others. And we thank you for uh, generational chains that are broken and new life trajectory that's established through Jesus' sacrifice. We thank you for this couple. We thank you for this family. We ask your blessings to be upon them. We honor them today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Give them a great big hand, okay? Love you guys. And you can all be seated. Thank you, Shane. Appreciate it. You want to go ahead and grab a seat, and what a great day to be able to celebrate. I know we've got some who are traveling because it's Thanksgiving weekend and probably some guests in the house. Um, we are excited about the, uh, the season ahead. Uh, with that, let me just jump you into today's scripture. We're in a, uh, uh, just a one-off message today, and I'm reading out of 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And the scripture there says, Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See the place where we dwell under your charge. It's too small for us. Let's go to the Jordan and each of us get there a log and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, go. Then one of them said, be pleased to go with us, your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, the ax head fell into the water and he cried out, alas, my master, for it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, well, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and he threw it in there and it caused the iron to float. And he said, take it up. And so he reached out his hand and he took it. And so today I want to talk to you along the idea of floating axes, which is a natural impossibility. But how many of you know that in the spiritual realm, all things are possible to him who believes? Amen. And if you're following along, there's the QR code for the notes today. So let's go ahead and pray. Put your hand over your heart and let's pray for a willingness to hear what God has to say to each of us individually. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. We honor it. The scripture, we're so grateful to have it. It's our instruction. It is our, our anthem. 
It, it contains the full arsenal that we need to fight our way through for the best things that not only you have for us, but the things that you want to deliver to others through us. I pray this morning, Lord, that you allow uh, oh, Holy Spirit, I, I, I want to stand back and allow you to speak through what is said. Lord, there's what I will deliver, but we yield to the voice of the Holy Spirit who is given to us to lead us into all truth. And Lord, each of us needs probably a different application of this message today, but that's Holy Spirit where you come in. You're able to supernaturally speak into the corridors of individual lives. And so we yield to that. We believe for that, Lord, and I thank you for your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Uh, a couple things for you. The Vision Builder Soiree, yes, it's on New Year's Eve. This year, black tie event, it's where we come and we celebrate all that the Lord has done this year, and there's been amazing things that have taken place this year. It's also where we cast some vision for the new year ahead. It's not a meal, but it's a, it's a great big, how do you say, a char, char, charcuterie board where we'll enjoy some, just a great refreshments, great production, and a great time together as we kick off the new year. So get signed up for that. Also, you'll notice we have set up for the new year our C3 internship. This is really geared at those of you who have an extra hunger for ministry things. You want to learn issues of leadership, speaking, project management within the house of God, and also outside of the house of God. Uh, we'll be revealing details for that this week. We'll be having an informational meeting the week after that. So see me if you are interested. And of course, you want to hear a dad joke, I know. So... This is why most of you, no, I was going to say, this is why some of you come. Um, why is the path of a hurricane so hard to predict? Because they are hurricanes, not himicanes. Uh, not afraid to wait in there in this political time in which we live. Um, guys, take me back to, uh, uh, let's jump, jump into the scripture. I'll probably get beat on the way home for that. Okay. Um, so this is this amazing scripture that we read out of the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is not just uh, historical facts, but there's biblical principles to be, um, to, to be discerned in there and to be applied to our life. The Old Testament didn't stop when the New Testament began. The Old Testament, in a sense, was fulfilled, and the principles there are now available to us through Christ who gave his life, sinless life, and was resurrected so that we could step into kingdom principles. And so here we read about Elisha the prophet who is in the process of building a school for prophets, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, Elisha had faithfully served his mentor, Elijah. And Elijah is credited for about 14 different radical miracles in his lifetime. But Elisha served Elijah faithfully even during difficult times. And as Elijah's ministry was ending, and if you ever want to be able to keep track of which one is Elijah, which one is Elisha, just do it alphabetically. J comes before S. That's how I remember it. So Elijah was first, Elisha was second, and Elisha asked for a double portion of what his, his mentor had. And in the process, he was given that, and he is credited for 28 miracles in his lifetime. And this miracle of the floating axe is one of them. Now, he's in the process of building a school for the prophets, to train up prophets. That's who he was. That's what his ministry was within the nation of Israel. He would deliver God's fresh word. And sometimes we think of prophecy as being this far off woo, type of thing where somebody sees into the future. Now that is part of prophecy, but also 
Prophecy is the here and now. What would God say to you or what would God say to you or what is affirmed by heaven in your life? And so prophets function everything from encouragement to enlightenment to education to training to foretelling. And we see that out of the scripture. And so as Elisha is building the school of the prophets, I want you to note something he's not building. He's not building a place where people come and get prophesied over. He's building a place to build people who will prophesy over people out there. And it's an Old Testament picture of what the church should be. The church is not meant to be a place where we bring people and gather them so that we can disciple them. But the church, as it functions truly New Testament, is a place where we build disciples who go out and make disciples and bring in and build more disciples to go out and bring more disciples in. This is not a grocery store for you to come and receive. This is a place for you to step into and to be built up so you can go out and accomplish what God has called you to do. Amen. Okay? And that's what our philosophy is. That is what our vision is. Surely there's a portion of what we do as a church family where we all walk in and where we enjoy. But our goal is not to entertain, and our goal is not just your enjoyment, although we don't want this to be painful, but it is discipleship. It is a molding of your life and instilling of values, instilling of information, uh, unlocking of gifting and destiny so that you can step into the fullness of who God has called you to be as you follow Jesus and go out as a disciple to make disciples. How many of you know that there's no such a thing as a disciple who does not make disciples? It's just not a thing that's biblical. We are to go out as disciples to make disciples, to bring them in, to build disciples, to send them out, to reach more disciples, and to build so that that cycle goes on and on. Um, So as you study this and, and see the picture of what Elisha is doing, you can see the picture here in our local church that actually as a, as a leader, while I love you all and I, I could be friendly with all of you, my main time, Rowena's main time is focused on high-level leaders to help them to build, not just build them as leaders, but to build leaders who then in turn build leaders. Does that make sense? And so that's the vision that we have in building the church. Our goal is to, is to build the next generation. I don't mean age-wise, but the generation that will lead the church and lead other campuses of the church and to lead other churches in the future so that we just keep building leaders. And we probably spend 80% of our time being able to do that. And so if you wanna know, how can you get involved? How can you get closer? How can you get into the mix of things? It's not about your hobbies. It's not about being best buddies. Become a leader. Become a leader who builds leaders, and you will find yourself living at that that epicenter of what's going on here in the church family. We're intentional about what we do, just like Elisha was. While we appreciate other methods and other people's ideas, we know what we're trying to build. We know what we want to see accomplished, not only in God's house, but in God's people's lives. And so we're kind of driven by that. And the suggestions that may come our way or things that other churches are doing, we celebrate those. We, 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 we honor those things, but it doesn't deter us from what our course is here. Because the truth is, in the Old Testament, there would be some prophets that would just love to have people come and deliver a prophecy. And that certainly causes that prophet to really shine. But where a prophet really is effective is when he builds future prophets that multiply what his ministry is, and he kind of fades into the background while they go off and do kingdom things. Amen? Amen. 
That's why here in our church family, you'll see many leaders on the platform on any given Sunday. It's why we get excited every week to hear the word of God, but we get more excited when someone else besides me is speaking in the house of God. We celebrate those people. We honor those people because there's the, the role that I play. There's the role that Rowena plays, but this is, this is a dead end street. I'm a dead end street. I'm, I'm, you know, the, the clock is ticking. I mean, there's still a lot of seconds left on it, okay? Well, minutes, <laughs> hours, days, months, years, and all that. But we're building for today and building for the generations to come, amen? amen? And so that's why we lean especially into our younger generation. They're hungry. They desire to be involved. It's one of the reasons why this next year, one of our big focuses is going to be on our internship because we recognize we got a great group of some young adults and some adults who are really hungry to build the house and to see the house reach more people and to build disciples. And we want to dedicate our time to them so that they get the tools that they need in rapid form to be able to be effective. Um, we're going to invest as much time possible in this next year into building potential builders. That's why in January, uh, Jenny Mowry is going to be doing our Following Jesus course again in January, February, beginning of March, so that our new believers, new Christians, people who have recently said yes to Jesus, can get around someone who is knowledgeable, a great follower of Jesus, a great leader of people. And Jenny can download some of those initial basic early principles so that those leaders can get a good footing and will offer additional classes at the same time. Now, as you look at this, you'll also discover that Elisha and his students as they're building this school, they have a collective commitment to this house that they're building, which I think is remarkable and also is very similar to what I see in this house. There's times where in a church family, there will be, you know, the pastor and the board doing their thing and, you know, calling people up and having people run around and do stuff and architects and contractors and, you know, well, we don't have the musicians that we really want, so let's pay some guys to come in. We, we don't do it that way here in our church family. We do this as a family. Now, there's a time where Adam, let me just give you a principle that's a kingdom principle seen in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's going to be some times in your life where you look at yourself and you feel like the thing that God wants to do, I just don't have, I don't have what I need to get there. And so I've got to figure out a way to get something and bring it into my world. Like as a church family, when you're small and you're getting started off in your building and you, you don't have musicians yet, there could be that tendency, well, we don't have any musicians yet. So what we should do is hire somebody from the outside to come in. And I know, again, that might be the philosophy of some other places. But when I look at Adam standing in the garden, God said it's not good for man to be alone. But God did not UPS or Amazon a woman in to Adam's life to make him whole. Here's a cool principle. God reached within Adam something that did not yet exist, but was there in basically in bone form, seed form. And from what was that hardly looked like anything to the natural eye, God created the thing that was necessary out of what was. And what you probably, the thing you might need to adjust in your prayer as you're looking at launching your business or your marriage to improve or for uh, your children to become who they need to be. It's less about what can you bring in from the outside and it's more about what can you develop that is already there. Yeah. There would be a lot of churches that would not have a, 
you know, a 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old kids up on the platform playing music. Because, I mean, you know, I mean, come on, it's got to, you know, it's better to have the real professional stuff and hire somebody to come in. And what I would say, as long as you're paying, somebody will be willing to come in. But you'll get their talent, but you, you won't get, they'll be, they'll be an employee. They won't be family. But when you invest in a younger generation, that you could see the seed potential. And, and maybe they don't hit all the notes at all the right times. And maybe they, they show up a little bit late because mom and dad were running late. Get who I threw under the bus there. Sorry. Um, I was not pointing at I did not call you. I was not talking. Guilty conscience is mine. Um, but, but the beautiful thing is you watch them over time to grow and become not only the person that, that, that was there the whole time in seed form, but you watch them become a part of the fabric of the house and to own the house and breathe and eat and live the house and, and, and push the house agenda forward to reach other people. There's a big difference from a hired musician as opposed to a musician who's developed within the house, amen? And it makes us a family. And that's the beautiful thing that I see here in the scripture. As we look at Elisha, he's using the family to build this school. Um, the students recognize the need as you read the story here. They saw the need. Now, it's great if Elisha sees the need. Hey, we need a bigger place. But the students saw that. Hey, what are we going to do about this? They took ownership. They had sweat in the game. They weren't waiting for somebody else to fix things. They owned it. And they said, let's fix it together. You read down farther through and you see that they had a vision for more. They had a vision to build. They had committed their time, their talent, and their resources. And this is the same as true of our church family. This is a time for building the house of God. I love when I read the book of Nehemiah. As Nehemiah is looking at the wall, he has a vision to see this wall being rebuilt. And as he shares the vision with the rest of the people that are living in Jerusalem with this broken down wall, these people catch a view of the vision and they respond and they say, let us rise up and build. Collectively, they own this thing together. And what I love about our church family is that collectively we do the things that God has called us to do. It's so, so awesome on a Sunday after we're done. Last week, water baptism. We all celebrated the great water baptisms that there were. We were cheering, we were clapping. It was an awesome day. And then people hung around for an hour and a half afterwards. And many people hung around for an hour and a half, not just to eat food and drink coffee and talk to one another, but to help replace the platform and bring chairs back in and reset the room and get things cleaned up. And I just want to say, thank you for your ownership. Thank you for your skin in the game as a church family. I want to be a part of a family that looks like you guys, okay? I'm just, I'm a little bit biased, but that's what I want to be involved with. Now, in this story... Um, you see an unfortunate thing that happens. One student borrows an ax. Now, it's important to note because like, you know, some of, some of us guys, we've got multiple axes for all different uh, needs out in our garage. Chopping big things, little things, in case any throwing goes down. Some of you, we were at a men's ax throwing thing uh, a couple weeks back over at Josh's house. How many of you guys afterwards found yourself on Amazon thinking about ordering ax throwing sets? I came this close to pulling this, the trigger on it. I was going to become a professional axe thrower. At least the next time we get together, I was going to be able to hit the target at least once. And, uh, but, but in this time, the reason why axes were so rare is because their land had been invaded by, by 
other pagan leaders from outside of their kingdom, and they had stripped him of anything that even remotely looked like a weapon. And so to be able to get your hands on an ax, which definitely could create a problem in battle, was a very rare thing. So they needed an ax to cut down the tree. And so this young man, he borrowed an ax. And in this case, the student had nothing to cover the debt. Now, there's a lot of philosophies on the Bible, and I'm a, a Dave Ramsey fan, um, you know, and I, I believe, don't, don't have a bunch of credit card debt. However, I don't, this is my personal opinion, not, not necessarily uh, even strongly issued in the New Testament, but I think there's good times to leverage resources to be able to build wealth. So I don't think necessarily it's a bad thing to borrow an ax, especially if you have the, the resources to cover it when it falls into the water. But I would definitely say this is a risky thing to borrow an ax and not even have the money to cover the ax, right? And so this young man is panicking and he had the best of intentions to be able to help kingdom things, to build the house of God, to further the mission of the prophet and the school of the prophets, to see other people touch with a prophetic word, the fresh word of God, to experience freedom as God's word came forth. He had the best, best of intentions, but in borrowing this ax, an unforeseen set of circumstances develops and he has now lost the ax in the water. The ax head broke off of the ax handle and it was there buried in the bottom of the water. In the best of intentions, but things fell apart. And I don't know about you, but I have found myself in that spot in life many times where my best of intentions unlocked a series of events that I did not know would become unlocked that led to less than best outcomes. And now I find myself in a spot where I did not intend to be and how I got there, I didn't realize, but my heart was right, but things are not looking good. Anybody here, you found yourself in that circumstance. You did your best, you, you launched off to do a good thing, but then it turned ugly after a little bit. You tried to do something special for somebody. There's a time where we had a guy who had an old RV parked on the church property and he needed to move it. And so I volunteered and I got my truck out there and hooked up the jumper cables to my car and I told him red, hot, black, you know, ground. He said, yes, sir. And we went to start it and his eyesight wasn't the greatest and he had crossed the posts and we burned out not only my battery, my starter, my alternator and my entire electrical system in my truck. There's no insurance policy for that. And this man had zero money to cover that. And you, you step out at times into doing something valuable for other people or for, for even maybe an enemy. And you find yourself behind the eight ball where things didn't turn out the way you expected, even though your heart was right. Or maybe you didn't have all the facts or you didn't know everybody's intentions and somebody you thought was gonna be on the team when you launched this endeavor suddenly bails and now you're out here, but how are we gonna pull this off? We don't have the people that we need. There will be times when your decisions will lead to less than best outcomes, but God is able to redeem them every time. And that's, the that's what I want you to get out of this story, that if you find yourself looking at your circumstances and they are less than best, they're not optimal, this isn't how it should work out, there's a real tendency to just kind of back away and sit down and kind of hold on till something changes. I don't want you to do that. I want you to recognize your feet have brought you to this spot, and though it's not turned out the way you expected, and clearly as you look at it, this is not the heart of God for your life or for the circumstance, that at this moment, God is still able to do above and beyond that which you can even ask or think, Scripture says. 
that if you will dial in, God is a God of the mulligan, amen? For those of you who are non-golfers, I'm not a golfer. Uh, I would use mulligans for every shot. A mulligan is where you just get a do-over. I mean, you tried your best, you swung. You can tell by my swing that I'm... Stick with the chopping with the axes, Steve. You'll do better. But in the process, you hit the ball and it goes off into the weeds and you can't find the ball. You call for a mulligan. It's to be able to drop down a fresh ball with no penalty to take another shot. Now, life doesn't work exactly like that, but I do believe that when you and I find ourselves in that spot, which I have found myself in many, many, many times, trying to do the best thing, trying to do the wise thing, trying to do the faith-filled thing, I found that there are things that show up on the playing field that I didn't expect, and now I'm in a less-than-best situation, but God is able to redeem, and that's a key word, redeem the situation from where it is to what it should be. God is able to take, God is not limited by my lack of information, God is not limited by my lack of wisdom unless I continue to do stupid things. Like there's no miracle of God that will overcome your stupidity. There will always need to be a next miracle, right? But God can can definitely do miracles to right the wrong so that you can proceed forward and his will can still take place. And so one of the things that I love about God, and I've seen this happen in my life over and over, God can cause axes to float, That's the picture of something you borrowed that you shouldn't have because you didn't have the money to cover it and now lost it, but God is able to, when you invite him into this circumstance, redeem this moment to glorify himself and you can go on to build the school of the prophets. Because the heart of God is to build that school, to build that church, to build that ministry, to build that family, to start that business, to build that career, to launch that, that endeavor that you have within your heart. And so God is able to redeem that. God is able to redeem them every single time. So let me give you a couple of uh, points of when you hit that spot, what are the next steps that you take? Number one, you have to refuse to quit. You better get some anti-quit in you at this, at, from, the, from day one. You understand that there's gonna be opposition in this lifetime to God's best in your life? There's going to be some opposition to you becoming the person that God intends. Because if you become the person that God intends you to be, people in your world are going to experience God. And so there's a fight against that and will be every step of the way all throughout your entire life. And so you're going to find yourself in opposition moments, but you just have to have a refuse to quit mindset. And that was the mindset of Jesus. He came up against opposition regularly And yet he prayed, Father, I don't want to do this. I want to quit, yet not my will, but your will be done. And he leans forward and he refuses to quit. He keeps taking ground. Scripture teaches us in Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary of doing good. How many of you, you get weary from doing good? Just me? Uh, Somebody in the back. There's two people in the back. Three of us. Let's talk to three of us for a second here. Um, I get weary of doing the right thing because sometimes it doesn't feel like it's working. Have you ever said, what's the point? You look over at somebody else who's doing all the wrong stuff and they're signing the deal and sealing the job and you know, their life seems to be humming along great and you've got problem after problem trying to do the right thing. Like, what's the point? There is a point, I promise you. David re- reveals that. He says, you know, there's gonna be the moment though when we step into the house of God and truth comes forward and that thing isn't going great and God's gonna help you to step into the great things that he has for you. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good. 
that means there's gonna be times where you feel weary. But it goes on to say, have a vision for this. For in due season, we will reap what? If we do not what? Give up. Keep pushing forward, doing the right thing, locked into the word of God, the promises of God over your life, what scripture teaches, do the right thing. That's the next step after you've messed everything up. It is. A lot of people, they just wash their hands like, what's the point? I'm a loser, and they walk off. What's the point? I can't do anything right. I might as well just give up. God's given up on me. Or what's the point? It's just easier to fail than to actually try, and they walk away from things. Don't give up. Keep pushing forward. Hear heaven cheering for you. Hear us cheering for you. Take the next step. God's going to help you if you take the next step. Do not give up. Amen? Amen? So number two, after you refuse to quit, recognizing that I've got an ax down there in the bottom of the water, I can't see it any place, refuse to give up. Not turning back, I'm not quitting on the school of the prophets, I'm not quitting on this thing I'm doing. This thing I tried is a good thing, it just didn't work out. I, I took the seven classes and I tried to work my magic to help my marriage and it doesn't seem like it's working. Don't turn around, continue to look down at the water in the direction of the ax that is sunken, refuse to quit. Number two, be persuaded that God is two things, able and willing. And those two, they, 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 they're two bookends to see great things happen in the story of our life. God is able to do anything, but you gotta see him being willing to do the thing that lines up with scripture that applies to this ax. Well, I don't know if it's God's will for my marriage to thrive. Really? Because I can guarantee you, and I don't, I'm not, don't even have to be a betting man, I'll bet it all that God wants your marriage to thrive. Well, I, maybe it's not God's will for this thing to work out in my family. What? God is willing and he is able. It's both things. God is able, but he's willing to see you succeed in the things that he's called you to do. Well, I don't know. I think that God has those things for Jalise. She can sing so wonderfully. And now that she was down in Cancun, Mount Zatlan, wherever she was, basking in the sun and had to get wet on the way to church today. Uh-oh. Uh, stinks to be Jalise, oh, but she's going to get on the platform next week and it's just going to come out of her effortlessly like, listen, God wants to do similar things in your life. Be persuaded of that. The enemy will whisper other things. He will tell you that no, good things are for everybody else. God's got nothing good for you because of who you are and what you've done. In fact, You'll never see that ax again because you were dumb enough to borrow it. You didn't check to make sure it was tightly secured. You were acting like an idiot while you were flinging the thing around, trying to throw it at targets, and it broke off, dummy, and it fell into the water. You got what you deserve. Listen, if you got what you deserve, it would be far more than a lost ax head. God desires to pour good things into your life to right the wrongs and help you to right wrongs and build a life that's full, full of life that impacts other people so they can step out of their walking deadness and become the living people of God. And seeing that ax rise out of the water is part of the story of your life. God is able, but he's also willing, amen? And great verses there that you can read uh, in the notes. Number three, um, engage family. What I love about this axe head being in the water, uh, most of us, what we like to do is we like to immediately just like, we don't want anybody to know. How many of you don't want anybody to know that you borrowed the axe? 
I don't be that guy who didn't have his own ax to bring. Nobody wants to be that guy. And nobody wants to be the guy to say, oh, I lost my ax in the water. How, how dumb am I? And yet, this is a common thing that happens in life in general. And so by engaging family, it actually brought the potential for this thing to be found. You can spend years trying to find your lost accent if you do it alone. Hiding behind the scenes, not talking with anyone else, feeling like you're the only person that's ever lost an ax in the water will just, just belabor the whole process of God doing a miracle. I love this verse in scripture in James. It says, therefore, confess your sins. And that could be shortcomings, your faults, your failures, your mistakes. Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another. There's a picture of you have lost something that needs to be retrieved that we all band together on behalf of one another, coming to God, looking for solutions. It's not just, oh Lord, help him find his ax head. No, it's, hey, let me dig around with you. And the more people that we get involved with trying to help us with our parenting or our marriage or our business or our discipleship, the more success comes onto the playing field because we involve other people. Newsflash, I've said this a million times, I'll say it again, this is definitely not a place for perfect people. There's a a lot of transparency here. Now, appropriate levels of transparency, but here's why. There's only one perfect person, his name is Jesus, and anytime we try to portray ourselves as being, you know, without problems, we actually eclipse Jesus and stop the power of his perfection from getting into our lives. We end up trying to be like other people or please other people instead of surrendering broken lives to the God who fixes the brokenness. So it's a beautiful thing when we're transparent with the right people and we ask for help to find the the ax head. And you know, sometimes from where we stand, we can't see because there's glare, but where somebody else is standing, they have a clear line of sight to be able to see that ax head or maybe they've lost their ax a number of times And they know just the way to go about finding it. So we confess our faults to one another. We pray for one another. What? So the end game goal is that we're healed. So that the thing that's wrong is made right. And that is the heart of God. The heart of God is for that thing that's wrong, the thing that's missing, the thing that's lost, to actually find its way back into well-being. Amen. I'm a little distracted my... My thing just turned off here. Okay, final, final point, and worship team's gonna come. Okay, you ready? Oh, is he done already? I'll drag it out, don't worry. Um, take the first step. Once you've hit this part where you refuse to quit, you're persuaded that God is able and willing, you engage family, don't just pray. Faith without works is what? You guys, you guys coming? Nice. Should like get my orange airplane landing lights. <laughs> Great looking group of people. You guys are all about my age. It's good to be a part of this young crew. <laughs> you and she said she's in my crew. Uh, there's a huge gap between the two of us, age-wise. Um, you guys gonna sing some more? Who, what, who's singing it? What, what's the next song that we're singing? King of my heart. Oh, King of my heart. Nice. Didn't they do a great job today? Give them a big hand. And, and you know, they rely so much on our production team to be able to do that. Give them a big hand over there as well. 
And then we've got, you know, some team run around. I, I just, hats off to Addie sitting in the front row. I, I know the person, who, the person who runs this little spot here for the production team is actually able to talk to everybody at one time. They're like, boss, boss lady right there this morning, giving out instructions, telling people what to do. And when she's leading, we're in good hands. Great job today, Addie. What's going on with my notes? Siri keeps turning on. Oh, now I said Siri, and so now Siri's gonna. Okay, take that, take that next step. I think I already said it. Why don't you stand with me? Um, and that next step is beyond just praying. Okay? It's great for you to pray that God fixes your marriage, to recognize that it's in the water, it needs to be brought out. It's great to take a class, it's great to pray, it's great to confess. How many of you know that, that God doesn't have a magic wand? He has you. And so what he, he calls you to do is step back into the situation and do something. Do something different than what you've been doing. And the ax got in the water away. And if you keep doing what you've been doing, it's going to keep ending up in the water the same way. But God calls you to still be involved, but to do something, not to stand back and say, God, I need you to do a miracle. God's like, I've sent my son. Every miracle is already there. In fact, oftentimes it's like a rib hidden within Adam. You need to bring it out to bring forth the thing that's needed. You need to go and you need to speak. You need to go and do something. You need to take some sort of action. And sometimes just doing something, just showing up will be the first step that leads to the solution that causes that ax to rise. You know, when you read this story, I don't personally think that there's anything actually magical or, or functional of throwing a stick in the water that makes the ax head rise other than it was the next step, it was something. And I have found that standing is not a something, but actually going and, and talking or communicating or praying, laying your hands or asking or inquiring or researching, that action has a way of beginning to unlock some things that are mysterious, but begin to shift and begin to move and cause some things to come into play. The God is... While you're waiting on God, God has said, I've already done what needs to be done. I'm waiting on you to begin to do something. Amen? God, the solution for that ax to float actually lies within you right now. Within you is everything necessary. He's already given us everything necessary for godliness, righteousness, and success in him by the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of his son. Already within you right now is what is needed. But it's taking the next step to see that thing unlocked. So I wanna, we're gonna sing this final, we're gonna sing this final song, but I wanna be able to pray over you while we do. If you find yourself looking at an ax that's in the water, I want you to just come find yourself a spot here in the altar. We're gonna sing the song together. We're just gonna believe God for that thing to rise, but we're gonna pray together as a church family, okay? Anybody here, you've got an ax that's buried in the water. Come on, don't. Free money up here, $50 bills. Okay. Come on, pull up this way. We're gonna pray and then we're gonna sing. Pull all the way up in the front here. Nice to see you. Welcome from Bend. Love when you guys show up. Awesome. So this side, you guys, there was more, there was more activity on this side. I must have spent more time preaching to this side. 
You guys are fine. So don't respond if you don't need to. Come on, pull up a little bit farther. I'm gonna pray over you. I wanna invite some of you that these are your friends. These are people you care about, people that you love. Come on, get around them. Get your hands on them. We're gonna pray over them. We're gonna believe for God to give you the next steps, whatever they are. Come on, let's pray together as a church family. Father, we thank you so much. God, we honor you in this place. God, we come to you in this time of, of need. We recognize, we confess, Father, that we've got an ax that's buried in the water. There's something borrowed that we can't redeem on our own, but God, we need your involvement. We need you to get involved, oh God. Father, we're asking that in these moments, God, as we step into this altar, as we pray, as we believe you, that God, you will unlock the remedy, you will unlock the solution, you will allow the answer to come. This thing that we find ourselves in this quandary, we're looking for, God, you to do the miraculous. We know that you are able, but we declare your willingness according to scripture. In Jesus' name, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Come on, you guys can take a break. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church.